0: A podcast one production. If I wanted to tell people how versatile we are, I thought, what better way than to show people how versatile Indigenous Australian culture is? That you know, you don't just have to experience Indigenous Australia through um, you know tourism. You don't just have to walk into an gallery or buy a painting. You can you can experience it in the twenty first century in you know a modern context through fashion.
2: Strap in.
1: In 2018, high school teacher Leandra Gakamungu had an itch to create a vessel for positive dialogue around her Aboriginal Australian heritage and change the way Indigenous Australian women are viewed and celebrated. With a love for swimming and a passion for telling stories, she began to build that vessel, Leandra Swim. It's a contemporary swimwear label that creates one-off collections to complement a variety of skin tones and body types, as well as to honor the artistry of her heritage. Each print tells a unique story. Leandra offers us a lot in this conversation. She outlines how she fuses storytelling into her brand, right down to each individual product line, how she manages to operate a business from the remote island of Millingimbi, and why creating sustainable and ethical swimwear is simply part of the brand DNA. Side note, if you do love hearing about ethical and sustainable businesses, go back and listen to our chat with Body and Elements Tea. We kicked off this chat with Leandra by her painting a picture of what life is like in Arnhem Land.
0: Okay, so I am in Arnhem Land. So I'm on a little island called Millingimbi. It's about 500 or 600 kilometres east of Darwin, um, if you were to go, you know, through Kakadu. I just moved back not long ago from Wollongong, um, which is where I was. And um, yeah, I just wanted to be closer to family, give my kids the chance to learn more about their culture and language and, and their family and who their cousins were and how many of us there are. This is, yeah, this is where we are, Millingimbi Arnhem Land, Northern Territory, Australia. <laughs>
1: very specific. But yeah, very it. specific. I love it. I'm about
0: 1,200 people, so. <laughs> Did you say a lot of those are your family members? Is this where your family grew up? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so my dad was born here. Um, so Millingimbi was um, back you know how I guess it started as a as a community as it is now was a um through the missionaries and yeah so my dad was born here and and grew up here my my aunties and uncles so yeah um I would say probably close to 90% if not more are my family <laughs> wow. isn't that crazy and those that are are um yeah not not from here as so yeah <laughs> still treated like that like, yeah, yeah no everyone is adopted in everyone has to fit somewhere in the you know the the societal puzzle of life so yeah everyone fits somehow and
2: you were saying earlier that it's like COVID doesn't exist up there like it's a completely
0: isolated uh, yeah. sort of experience yeah it's not COVID as it as probably the rest of Australia Um, or or probably you know the biggest cities know it as um yeah Northern Territory I think's been free from COVID for I think I saw something this morning like 50 days and then um you know we're so remote and we we also have biosecurity you know laws and things that sort of almost like an island within an island there are also biosecurity sort of rules and regulations that came in place because to get into Arnhem Land um you also need permits and things like that so um yeah it's it's pretty I'm pretty locked in here, so
1: it, I feel pretty safe. It's amazing, and so we, we're obviously going to get in and talk about uh, your swimwear label. Yes. But what else are you doing right now? Because I guess you've got books stacked up,
0: you've got a monitor behind you. I mean, I'm intrigued. Tell me. Yeah. So, um, in order to move back home, um, so my, I guess my trade is what I call it is a high school teacher. I'm an English history teacher, and so when we decided that. Um, we were going to move back home. The I just yeah I thought uh, I'll I'll go see if there's any work at the school and and work with some of the kids and I really just wanted to sort of share everything that I could that I've managed to learn along the way so it's really great. I, I teach English I teach design and enterprise so I get to start a business with the kids. Wow. Yeah and um, hospitality which which is kind of fun. We've made like 50 million cupcakes kids <laughs> love to. you know have you gone on to the banana bread yet? Or oh, yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the sourdough.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. For, for the longest I had to wait so all our food gets like barged in so you have to like be 10 to 15 days in advance before you, know, you can get your Food in so. All I could kind of get my hands on was like flour, eggs, milk, and bananas. So we were making banana bread, banana cookies, banana muffins, banana smoothies. But like it was, I was like, okay, no more. Everything. (laughs) All the banana things. (laughs) (laughs) So
2: are you able to paint us a little bit of a picture of what life is like up there? Because I think a lot of our listeners, including Mm. us, haven't, you know, visited kind of those remote sorts of Indigenous communities. And, you know, you've come from Greater Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what life is like up there.
0: Yeah, um, well, it's nice and warm. So at the moment, I suppose the build-up for wet season has just started. So it's starting to get kind of warm, but up until probably a week or so ago, it was like a beautiful spring day, every day. (laughs) Um, So Monday to Friday, I guess my routine is, yeah, school. I've got my teacher hat on from 8.30 to 2.30 and then my Leandra swim hat on um, from 2.30 to eight o'clock the next day. So, so that's kind of, yeah, how my life's structured Monday to Friday. But every second weekend with the tide is right, we go out hunting to go get um, yeah mud crabs or um, mm. mussels and uh, maypole and pippies and, and all that stuff. So we do that sort of every second weekend, my sisters and I go out. Um, and then the other weekend... It's usually yeah, just family stuff. So um, every afternoon, uh, my family go down to the oval. We kick the, the footy around for a little bit, and then um, often we'll take the quad bike down and I don't know, do a couple of oh, fun things. The so kids. Fun. yeah. Look, it's pretty. It's pretty relaxed. So um, yeah, it, it's pretty much ride the quad bike, go hunting. The kids go for a swim um, at the beach. <laughs> so. Yeah, or, or it's waiting for the barge to come through. So it's like every second week is, is almost like Christmas. So the barge comes through without order of Woolworths or Coles. And it's like unboxing mm. all the food that I've ordered all, two weeks ago. <laughs> what a great place
2: for kids to grow up. Oh, <laughs> uh, Honestly, yeah. So was it your love of swimming when you we growing up and kind of that experience being by the beach. Is that what inspired uh, your brand? Yeah. Can you tell
0: us a little bit about how that came about? Absolutely. So um, yeah, my family are from, yeah, this little island. Um, so that's my young side of my who I am. But um, uh, when my parents separated when I was little, um, so I was born up here, grew up up here um for the first few years of my life. Then my parents separated and my mum. Um, remarried and my stepdad is is awesome and he's a, a huge surfer. So um, a big part of growing up as well was was surfing. We'd go to Bali, um, you know, surfing or we there was always a beach. Whenever we went on a holiday, there was always a beach. So yeah, it was just a really big part of how I grew up and, and who I am. So when I decided that I wanted to, I guess, first start a business, I thought, what can I do to sort of mesh all the parts of me that I really enjoy and you know that's the beach i love my culture i love um yeah i I try to be a glass half full kind of person so i wanted to do something positive and 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 still be able to educate because i i do love being a teacher it was just i wanted to have more control over how i taught and, and what I was teaching.
2: Is that what inspired you to start this brand? You wanted to create something that um, almost was a vehicle for a message or a Absolutely. vehicle to help educate people?
0: Absolutely. So the way I kind of explain it is the product is really the physical and then it's um, really the stories and things behind that as a way to just start conversations. I just wanted to be able to Um, start authentic conversations around, you know, really positive things that were happening in Indigenous Australia um, both in, you know, through the culture and the people and, yeah, I mean, storytelling I think no matter what culture you look at, it's a way that people can really connect quickly and easily um, and authentically so I wanted to you know, I could have started a swimwear label but for me it just didn't make any sense unless I put some more depth uh, behind it.
2: And what is the message Mm. that you're trying to share? Like, what's the dialogue you're trying to create? And what change are you trying to kind of create with with your brand and that storytelling?
0: Yeah, I guess it comes from a more personal place. Um, When I was growing up, I really only had a few Indigenous or Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander women that I even knew um, that were, you know, out there and in what you would, you know, say the mainstream. So, so many people would be like, oh, you look like Kathy Freeman. And and I would play a lot of sport growing up. So, that was always a really big um, connection and, and people would say that. And I just... So for me, that's really the only person. And then, you know, there was Christine Anu. Yeah, love, we love Christine Anu. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's amazing. Um, <laughs> but they were really the only two people that I, yeah, really knew. So I thought it'd be, you know, a great way to be able to just share other, and, and, and I suppose new household names of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women doing really amazing inspirational mm. things, but not just to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander girls to all of Australia, to the wider population, you know, across the globe, because now that, you know, there's people around the world wearing the Endra Swim, I'm able to say, hey, you know, here's Dr. Vinka Burunga. She's this amazing Aboriginal doctor from the Kimberleys and, you know, she's doing really great things. And so that starts a positive conversation around what Indigenous Australian women are actually doing. And, you know, yes, we're people yes we're artists but hey we're also doctors we're also in communications we mm. also run our own businesses we we also do all these other great things and we're excelling at them
1: i just love it i think you know you've managed to marry your trade you know you're a teacher with you know a product that acts as a vehicle to share such a incredibly important message and i think the fact that you are able to highlight Um, the profiles of these women uh, you know to inspire young Indigenous girls but also not just Indigenous girls I think girls everyone everywhere right (laughs) everyone even us I mean we find that incredibly inspiring and we're always looking to learn you know I know that you name the swimwear after um, these women how else do you tell the story like what are the touch points
0: yeah so um I suppose, well, I suppose to strip it back a little bit, I got to the point where I'd created the swimwear. I knew I wanted to do, you know, the signature prints being um, representative of Indigenous Australia. Um, But I was like, okay, what am I gonna name the swimwear? And that's kind of how I I landed on it. I thought it'd make sense to sort of continue that idea of sharing a story. And um, the prints, I I wanted to be able to take the idea of Indigenous Australian artwork out of the galleries and onto swimwear. So if I wanted to tell people how versatile we are, I thought, what better way than to show people how versatile Indigenous Australian culture is? That, you know, you don't just have to experience Indigenous Australia through, um, you know, tourism. You don't just have to walk into an gallery or by a painting, you can you can experience it in the 21st century in, you know, a modern context through fashion.
1: Oh, 100%. And I think there are a lot of brands that are really starting to explore this, yeah. you know, explore across, yeah. you know, we've seen Kip & Co with their bedding collaborations. Yeah. We've seen, you know, a lot of brands that are looking um, to Indigenous culture for inspiration through the, you know, through, through art. And I think that's just such such a
2: uh, so critical and such a beautiful thing to do yeah
0: um
2: yeah what was the response of I guess you know the Indigenous community Mm. but also just broader community to kind of this I mean this brand and your message
0: yeah it was um look that first 12 months was quite hard I think probably the first two Look, I'm, I'm only yeah, what, nearly three years in. So it it's definitely been ups and downs. At first, I was tell us, <laughs> yeah. tell us all of the ups and downs. <laughs> At first, my family were like, "What are you doing? Um, when are you going back to your teaching uh, job?" Classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. Um, and. It was really my partner that sort of was like, okay, you want to do it? Let's do it. Okay, how are you going to do it? Because I don't know. I just sort of come home with a random idea and he's like, okay, well, how are you going to do it? let's do it. So that was kind of how it started. Um, That first year, I learned a lot. I spent money on things that I shouldn't have. I said, yes, to things that I definitely shouldn't have. Yeah, I... I learned a lot. But
1: <laughs> what, like what? What did, what did you spend money on? What? And what did you say yes to that you, in hindsight, you probably should not have? So, We've all been So,
0: yeah, look, I got this email. I'm not going to name who it was, but I got this email and I was like, oh, this is really cool. They know who I am. And not to re- like, you know, a little bit down the track, like a few thousand dollars later, I realized that I'd just been like, look, scammed isn't the right word, but that's how it felt. By just kind of like marketing salespeople, and while it was kind of cool, it was like oh, I really sh- didn't have you know the six thousand dollars to pour into that, and it really didn't get me any return on investment. And I, I should have, I should have listened to people at the time who said oh, just wait, just wait. But I knew better because I'm stubborn. Um, but yeah, I learned <laughs> I learned that lesson. Um, so now it taught me to say no, and, and I definitely trust my, my instinct and my gut first and foremost. So if I'm not sure, I, I take that time to, to stop and listen and, and think. I, you know, I started at the market, so I would go to markets through Sydney and I got a lot, of, a lot of feedback. You know, people are picking up the swimwear and, oh, you know, like telling me what they think as people do. Um, it, it taught me a lot. And it helped me to sort of go back to the drawing board and really stay true to who I was and come back with my second collection um, and, and sort of, yeah, just just think about things a little bit slower and where I wanted the brand to go. And, and, and really think about what the brand stood for and, and how I was going to get that message across. Yeah. it is <laughs> The first 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 12 months. The
1: trial, trial and error. That's what it's about. It it's was, about learning it and figuring was. out what your voice is. Sometimes yeah. it takes time than And 12 you know months. what? Yeah. It was
0: like, I was like, okay, but I've only got 200 followers on Instagram. I want like 5,000. <laughs> and you also learn that following, like an Instagram following or whatever, it's not really the end all and be all. But it's like no. mm-hmm. putting out this post and you get like one like and it's your mum. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it gut wrenching? ego, is. Oh, I know. And it's like You're keep like- going, and then it's like one like. It's like your mum, and the partner who made a Instagram account just to follow you, just to just to give you a boost, you know, you a little bit. And it's like thanks, guys. <sighs> So I have a question <laughs> yeah. because I think
2: like that the, the experience of, you know, the first 12 months and sometimes it's longer than first, yeah. the first 12 months. Yeah. Sometimes it's two years, three years, four years, five years mm-hmm. of like being in this grind and knowing that you have a, a really strong purpose that's driving, driving you and a really strong foundation for the brand. But, you know, sometimes it takes a long fucking time to yeah. get traction and there are ups and downs. And I want to know... What what have you drawn on in those moments where you're like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Oh my God, I'm getting one like. It's mm, mom yeah, and you know yeah. mum and dad. Like, what what
0: encourages you to keep on going? Um, look, there were some really yeah dark moments. I suppose with my own mental yeah strength probably yeah just after I'd launched my first collection and it's really slow grind you know we're going to markets because I, I didn't have a lot of money to pour into marketing so you know we're up every weekend at like five packing the car and the kids and going from weekend to weekend I'm, I'm fully self-funded so it was pouring our money into this idea that I had and yeah it was hard at first and um you look thankfully I really had my partner he would be like what are you doing you got to keep going you know we we're not, we haven't just wasted all this time energy effort money everything to give up so you need to keep going and and I really did draw on on yeah him a lot particularly in those moments where I was like I don't really know where to go from here I don't have the money to get a flash photographer I don't know how to find a model or I don't know what to pay a model because I want it to be proper you know I didn't I had to learn all of those things I guess and so yeah it was quite depressing at some moments Um, but I would say I just sort of I thought I need to learn how to run a business first I need to build my network so that's what I really did for the next twelve months. And I just tried to meet as many people as possible. And um, I think the funniest thing was one of the best conversations I had was with a man who was, I don't know, I think he's in his 50s or 60s and he was in the agriculture industry. So nowhere. And I look, I did go into it a little bit like and I kind of got stuck with him at this sort of speed business network yeah i was kind of like oh you know i was tired it had been a really long week and i thought oh and i walked away he's been one of the best people that's come into my life and i've we've seen other other events and he said to me you're looking at money completely wrong it's not you know your money has just shifted from your bank to here and it's now in this product this is your investment It's not that you've spent the money, it's that your money is now invested into this. So what does that mean for you? And it was, it was just, he really changed how I looked at, at things. And it was really from that moment that things got more positive in the, just in my mental, the way I looked at things. Cause it wasn't like I was, you know, wasting money. It was that my money now looked different. So what was that?
2: Um, what was the kind of money narrative that you were telling yourself and how did that conversation shift that money narrative? Because I, I totally agree with you. Mm. I think having a healthy money story when it comes to building a business is really important yeah. because, you know, oftentimes we can have negative stories like, oh, I'm not mm. worth that. Or um, I shouldn't yeah. be charging that. or I've spent I'm, I've i spent too much. I've spent too much.
0: You know, spent it on the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah so, How did that, how did that shift happen for you?
0: Yeah, look, once I thought, sort of looked at my swimwear as, okay, I need to sell, you know, X amount of swimwear and then to be able to reinvest how, and then it was like, okay, how am I going to sell it? It was more stripping back everything that I thought a business was and then taking those steps. And look, it wasn't slow. It's not like I was just like, oh, great. So in one weekend, I was able to you know, sell $5,000 <laughs> worth of stuff. It definitely wasn't like that at all it was slow burn and, and from, you know, the networking. And I had to really put in a lot of time and effort into other areas before I saw, you know, the fruit fall from the tree. Mm. Um, I had to go to events and I had to build up, you know, my profile of what, what I, who I was and what I stood for, um, before I sort of saw anything come back. So I suppose one, one example of that is, um, I, I was involved oh, I got I I applied for this um, networking event called futures forum that was done by indigenous business Australia and you know from that I it was like a two or three day event and I wasn't really sure if I should go I, I wasn't really sure even what it was I had this new baby um, who was months old at the time and I was like I'm not really sure how I'm going to even go like I can't just leave my baby at home Um, I've got my I think she was 7 at the time my daughter I was like well you know she still needs to go to school so right at the last minute one of my friends who was helping run the event was messaging me she's like where are you you need to come and she's like bring your baby bring your kids we'll we'll work it out and I was like okay so Zion my son who was yeah like 6 months or something at the time was there for the three days and facilitators would be changing his nappy or helping feed him or, and I think that's, you know, it's, it was a, um, it was just like one big family. There was 50 young, um, you know, like-minded entrepreneurs and business-minded people there. Um, all young between the ages of 18 to 30, 35, um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, and it was, look, I walked away from that and I felt like my mind was, it was just inspiring to be around people that thought like me, were my age, looked like me, you know, we all had this same mindset about what we wanted for our futures as individuals, but also for our people as a community and what that meant for, you know, the wider Australia Um That was really inspiring. So it was from that event that I was like, you know what? It's gonna happen. Like I'm gonna make it happen. I just need to be patient. So yeah, it wasn't just about looking at money health. It was about looking into I guess myself. (laughs) Not to get (laughs) too too deep there, but I guess, yeah, what what I really wanted and and what I was willing to um sacrifice.
2: Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of building a business. It's a you know it's that sort of self-reflection that you need to do to really uncover you know what success looks like what kind of life you're trying to build what kind of impact you want to have what's your driver what's your motivation um and it's almost like without that you know you can only get so far absolutely Mm. because and I,
0: I think it's really interesting when you say what success looks like I um I got invited to go to Canada to the World Indigenous Business Forum last year, and we got to see um, Stedman, Oprah Winfrey's significant other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. yeah, and he was amazing, and he really spoke about you know success, and it really made me think, okay, what does success look like? Because mm. the longest time I really struggled with that because. I, I, success for me, it's not a figure in the, my bank. Yeah. It's not money based. So I was like, well, what is success? And I think, you know, I've got, um, you know, a bucket list and every time I tick something off, like that's, that's a success for me. It's, you know, having an article in us Vogue, like that was so that's cool. pretty successful. I know. And Like I'm just like, that's something that I just think is so cool. And, you know, having just small successes along the way where I you know, an influencer was wore my stuff and just randomly someone was like, Oh yeah, I saw her wearing your swimmer. Is that your swimmer? And I was like, that's really cool. Someone that I don't even know saw my brand. Like that's that's a success. And then it's these, you know, amazing women that are buying my product and then they learn about another layer of Indigenous Australia, like that's a success. Mm. If they're able to tell, you know, their friends and family about the, you know, the story of their swimwear, the print, the, the woman behind the swimwear, mm. that's a success. So I, yeah, it's, it, it looks different to everybody and it's definitely an individual journey.
1: Was it a combination of finding, you know, the right mentor, changing your money mindset, learning, being surrounded by people that support you and your family? Was it kind of like the little seeds, little breadcrumbs that eventually added up over time, goal setting or... You know, yeah. Can you talk me through? Because I think a lot of people will really benefit from this conversation. Because I think a lot of people are probably struggling right now. Yeah. You know, with everything going on in the world. Yeah. No, I
0: I I I agree. I think it was definitely both. I had to ask myself, how committed am I? Because at some point, Mm -hmm. I could have pulled out, and then I was left with all this swimwear. But you know, I could have saved a lot of time and effort, um, and I could have pulled out. But I needed to make like, yeah, my partner was like, well, how committed are you? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. How how committed am I? You know, how many nights am I going to stay up? How many mornings am I going to get up early? How many? Yeah. So I definitely, it was self-reflection and I had to ask myself that and what I had to come to terms with what that was going to look like, you know, short-term pain for long-term gain. But then I also Mm -hmm. needed to make sure that I was putting in those steps to get the business knowledge that I needed First and foremost, I had to make sure I knew how to run a business. So I had to make sure I knew what it meant to be financially healthy, even if I didn't want to be a millionaire or I don't want to be a millionaire. Well, I need to make sure that there's enough money behind the business to, you know, to be sustainable. So, okay, that's one area I needed to educate myself on, but also I needed to educate myself on how am I going to market? How am I going to find my customer? Um, and what does that mean what does my customer want do they want you know cheeky swimwear or do they want f- bigger or okay what does that mean so I really had to go back to the drawing board and educate myself on, on all of those things you know marketing um, yeah financial health also growing my network um Um, I had to, I did a pitch, I I pitched, um, I pitched in Canada at the World Indigenous Business Forum, but I also did a pitch in Melbourne to other, you know, just a room full of business um, people. I did an accelerator, business accelerator. So (laughs) I really spent 12 months making sure I knew what a business was um, because the creative, you know, the creativity side and all of that that was a completely separate part and that was that was the fun part you know that was the part that I love making the print but unfortunately it's such a small part of you know what I do as opposed to everything else that goes into my day-to-day that I needed to make sure that all of those health checks were, were in place so um yeah my advice would be learn what a business is and how committed you're going to be to to learning that stuff and setting goals. So it was okay. You know, it was week to week stuff. So I would be like, okay, every week I want to sell X amount of swimwear that will turn into, you know, roughly this much money every week. Okay. If I fall short of that, why what's going on and it was constantly looking at data I was constantly looking at my website traffic where it was coming from if there was a link there that I wasn't sure where it came from I would be like okay how did they find Leandra Swim from there so (laughs) doing a lot of research Um, and it's it's not you know it doesn't stop
1: yeah it's definitely an ongoing process but I think what you have done so well is kind of Unlock the key in terms of it being um, curiosity. Yeah. You have to be curious, and you know, mm-hmm. as a, as a founder, you have to really look in, look at all the all the corners and the nooks and crannies, and and find the answers a lot of the time. Yeah, um, and then or speak to the right people and find the right people that can help you.
0: Absolutely, and look, sometimes it's it's asking people and being a little bit nervous and maybe embarrassed about what they're going to say back to you. Um, <laughs> There was definitely some times where I I knew what to tell people to get the answer back that I wanted, but that wasn't, I wasn't going to grow from that. So I had to be honest with myself and with other people, if I wanted to grow and if I wanted the business to grow and it wasn't going to be an answer maybe sometimes I liked and it was going to put me in in an uncomfortable position sometimes. Um, And not just me, like I, I put me in an uncomfortable position, you know, my own self, but it meant my family, So I had to, we had to get help to look after the kids. It meant that mm. I'd have to take my youngest son with me to places and then, you know, fly a babysitter with me. And I'd be, you know, I'll oh, come and meet me at 1130 and I'll, I'll breastfeed. And then you take him, can you take him for a nap? And then I've got to go back into a course or a workshop. And then I'll see you at lunchtime or, you know, at, in the, like it just, it wasn't, it wasn't easy and it still isn't. So it, it, it puts you in an uncomfortable position, but. Yeah, how, how committed are you going to be to, to the, that short-term pain? Like,
2: yeah, and I think it's a question that a lot of people, well, everyone who wants to start a business needs to really ask themselves before they dive in. It's like, you, as you said, are you what are you committed to and what are you willing to sacrifice? Because it, it requires a lot of sacrifice. It does. Um, it definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're just sitting here after like having you know a week off, um, like, we, we you know, have the podcast and we run events. Mm. What well, we used to run events. Yeah. We run programs. We do a whole bunch of stuff. And we've just taken a week off and had some time to kind of reflect and stuff. And so we've been having these conversations about, like, what does success look like yeah. to us? Yeah. Like, we just went through an accelerator, you know, we, like, it's, we... It's, it's, it's an yeah. ongoing... It's an ongoing evolution. Like, yeah.
1: It's an ongoing personal journey. No, it like is. Like you, yeah. like there's business and I and I think everything you, that you're saying, like, I, you know, learning how to run a business. I mean, it's really interesting. There's a few kind of sparks there. You know, your product and the business are so different. so And they need to be treated separately, right? Yeah. But then it's such a personal it journey. Is. Like it you is. learn so much about yourself. Yeah. Like you can't run a business if you're not willing to hold the mirror up and face your shit. Yeah. Like, Really? Yeah, and no, yeah. for
0: sure, definitely. I think that's where you know I'm. I've got to a point now where I was comfortable with where I look. I'm, I'm still learning every single day, but I was. I'm definitely more comfortable yeah. where I am now than I was 12 months ago, or even where I, you know when I mm. started. But then I had a few things happen this year. I suppose COVID being one of them on a on a business sense, but you know personally, mm. um, my dad passed away. Just before Christmas. Oh, I'm sorry, so sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Thank you. Um, but it really made me want to evaluate my life on a personal level. And I, you know, he passed away, and we came back up for the funeral, which was, you know, the funeral was put off by six months, um, partially because I was pregnant with my third child, so I couldn't get back on a plane. Um, it was right before Christmas, so. We had to put it off um, so I could fly back up. But then, you know, COVID hit. So I was like, I don't know what this is going to look like for us to travel. It kept, you know, we pushed it back, pushed it back. And then eventually I was like, look, let's just do the funeral. Um, We can't wait any longer. It's been six months. Um, We'll quarantine. So we went, you know, we had to quarantine and um, we'll, we'll come. And it was like coming home. Yeah, I was like, I, I didn't want to leave. I didn't, I wasn't ready to, to leave my family. I wasn't ready to leave the cemetery. So we really just reevaluated our lives. Um, yeah, our family life. And, and we were like, well, what do we want for the kids? And is it possible to still have everything, you know, have, have our cake and eat it too? And look, it's not easy. It's hard. You know, theres I've had two days where Telstra wasn't working at all. No signal, no internet, no Wi-Fi. So I couldn't access the world. Wow. So, and, and that makes it, it does make it hard. I'm, you know, I'm running an e-commerce store. So absolutely. Yeah,
1: and I was gonna. Yeah, and I was gonna ask you. Like, I'd love to understand the challenges um, of running a business there, which would be very different to running a business in outer city. Yeah. Um, you know, especially you. You produce. Um, you, your production is over in. Bali in Indonesia yeah, yeah. Um, and not just any kind, like you use sustainable materials. Yeah. I mean, w- there's, there's so many layers to this. Yeah. How do you run a business from where you are? What are some of the challenges that you face? How have you overcome those? Yeah. And then let's, you know, dive into, let's dive into the production. Um, sure. I'd love to hear more about it.
0: So um, logistically I had to relearn. So learning never finishes. <laughs> I had to figure out, okay, you know, the planes only come a few days a week here and sometimes they just won't show up at all. So the planes are the only way <laughs> that the mail can get in and out relatively quickly. The barge, there's two barge companies that come twice a week, but you have to be organized <laughs> to get stuff on there, you know, at least 10 days before. Um, so it's not instantaneous s- most of the time. Well, you can't rely on it being an everyday thing. So um, the one thing that I've found has been my saving grace is communication. <laughs> as long as I've kept those lines of communication open to, you know, the people that are buying from me and, you know, to my following, hey, sorry, I've been offline for three or four days, I didn't have access to Wi-Fi or, you know, sorry that this has happened, Um, it's something out of my control, but I feel like if I keep those lines of communication open, it's totally fine. People are understanding, you know, people don't, you know, they're buying something online. They know it's not gonna come tomorrow for the most part, um, unless, you know, <laughs> be a same day delivery no same day delivery yeah, no same. No, no, not gonna happen
1: not gonna happen not gonna, yeah, but it's not but gonna happen right. yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah
1: yeah it's setting those expectations yeah, you know exactly. because I think if that's something you promise, then obviously that that's what they'll want exactly um, can you tell us why you have created a sustainable product yeah. on top of you know obviously the messaging and, and all the other wonderful things that you're doing why was that important to you and what's the the process been like?
0: Yeah, um, that is a process that's always evolving. I I'm never like I I, I never want to say that's it. I'm 100% eco friendly, or that's it. I'm done. We've got you know our fabrics are good, our packaging is good, because it's there's always new technologies coming in. There's always um, you know ways to do better and be better. So in terms of what that looks like, it's constant research. I'm, I'm constantly researching different fabrics, different packaging, different different ways to yeah, offer a sustainable product in yeah its entirety as, as I can. Um, but what that looks like is organization. It's not, you know, my, my fabric and the fact that I have prints on it um, means that it's going to take longer. Uh, my fabric... Comes from America um, and is made from um, re- regenerated plastic bottles. And so it's not something that you can just, you know, buy instantly online. I have to, you know, and also it's expensive. It's a little bit more expensive than if mm-hmm. I just bought, you know, a block print color. Um, and then I went to Bali because they do, yeah, swimwear so well. Um, they are one of the best in the world to create swimwear. I'm I'm a small label. So as much as I would love and, you know, a goal is to be Australian made as well. Um, you know, it's something that I'm always evolving in and I, and I am always researching different Australian, um, manufacturers. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm only new and I'm learning and I'm trying to grow. So I need it to be a sustainable growth but in terms of working with a barley manufacturer, um, it can be challenging. Language, sometimes (laughs) wires cross and communication gets a little bit misconstrued. (laughs) That was a great, great, (laughs) that happened just very recently. It was, it was actually my fault. Um, (laughs) I read something wrong and then I realized, oops. And yeah, so that happens, but yeah well I mean what can you do it's not the end of the past love it isn't it exactly (laughs) but finding my manufacturer it look it took time um I changed manufacturers from first collection to second collection I made the time to go to Bali and meet and and meet the you know the company and see where things were made and really what their processes look like because I wanted to know that if I said it's ethical it is ethical (laughs) if it if i say it's sustainable then it then that's what it is so i i went over yeah. and i had some meetings i had a few meetings lined up because there's not just one company there's quite a few manufacturing companies over there um, and in the end, I went with my gut because it hasn't proved me wrong yet.
2: <laughs> Always go Always with the gut.
0: Go what does that gut, gut. feeling?
1: Yeah. What does it feel like? What did it feel like with the manufacturing? Um, what was what kind of um, got you across the line? Look, there
0: were there was one manufacturer that was just making it really difficult to come visit, and and I was like, I don't and like I and I'd been well in advance. I was like, I know I'm going to be there this week. Um, Can I please come and see you? And I actually nearly chose this other company and they were just making it really hard. I mean, this is an obvious one, I guess, but, and I was like, you know what? It shouldn't be this hard. Like i just want 20 minutes of your time, you know, minimum or, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot. And, And in the end I was like, you know what? Even though you've got the fabric, even though you've got this and this and this, for some reason, there's just something there that I don't, don't like so I'm not going with you. And that was it. Um, and then, yeah, the other manufacturer, it was just the feeling, you know, what does, what do the people feel like? What's the vibe of the workplace? What What is the feeling? So warm, fuzzy, I don't know, friendly, open kinds <laughs> I of communication. Yeah, <laughs> warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. Open, so good, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the
1: exchange at the end of the day of whether it's money, energy, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you've got to be open and you have to have that kind of that, just that belief and that trust. Um, that was, we've heard that a few times. You know if, it's not a, if
0: it's not a hell yeah, then it's a it, new nope, thing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that is so true trust. I wanted to make sure I could a hundred percent trust and, and yeah, it was definitely trust was a big part of what got me over the line working you know finding my manufacturer finding the piece that yeah bit.
1: yeah tell us why it's important for for your brand yeah. um, to be sustainable and ethical
0: yeah um, look ethical is because if I'm going to represent my culture and go so hard for Aboriginal Australia and Indigenous Australia I don't want it to be on the back of somebody else's culture You know for so long there's been murky waters with how indigenous artists or indigenous people have been treated and and you know unfair pay inequality and things like that so i don't want to advocate for that stuff and then do that to somebody else that that's not where i want to be and that's not who i am so you know ethics are a really big part of of my brand and then you know the sustainability part you know my my little island a big part of what the rangers do here is the tides come across from um indonesia and unfortunately bring a lot of rubbish um across on the water Mm. just just from ocean pollution and you know it's just it's so Unhealthy. It's unhealthy for, you know, the water system. It's unhealthy. You know, we're eating the fish and, and stuff. It's unhealthy for us. It's not going to do anything good for the, the planet. Um, every Saturday when I was growing up, my stepdad would do, um, basically I grew up in like this little cul-de-sac. And so every weekend at the end of the cul-de-sac, You'd go in and like clean up all the rubbish out of the, the creek and, and the bush. And, and yeah. it was a big part. And then we'd have mm-hmm. a, a barbecue in the cul-de-sac. Um, so it was just a big part of, yeah, who I was as well growing up and what I saw around me. And it is a big part of, you know, our culture is looking after the land, yeah. looking after the environment. Yeah. So yep. um, it's, it's just another layer of, of, of who I am and then what I've projected into Leandra Swim. <sighs> So good. What would you say us, we listeners, us, all of us
1: as consumers can do to help? The environment. I mean, as you, as you said, yeah. you're seeing the pollution. I think sometimes it's like out of sight, out of mind yeah, yeah. for a lot of people. So a lot of, especially city dwellers, you know, yeah. um, or you kind of just become accustomed to seeing it. What can we do? I, what do look, we need to be aware of?
0: I'll, you know, a lot of small actions. If a lot of us are doing the smaller things, then that starts to, you know, grow into bigger things. So it's... You know, keep cups, it's the little things, I guess, that you don't even think about, it's, you know, plastic straws, it's all stuff that is in your face, it's researching, you know, about microplastics, what, what are microplastics and, and what it, where are your clothes coming from, what are they made from? Um, understanding what fast fashion is, understanding what fast fashion means for the environment, but also for the people behind who are making your clothes. Where are your clothes made? Um, It's it's just having, yeah, just taking the time to do a little bit of research. You know, it's your sunscreen. We're, We're a country that is in the sun all the time in the water. Where, what is your sunscreen doing to the waterways? What's it doing to the environment? What's it doing to the reefs? Have a look, turn around, just, just do a little bit of research. Do your due diligence. As you know, a human being, I'm not saying to go vegan or I'm not saying to change. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you yeah. can make, you know, those small steps are manageable. It's, you know, not going to all happen in one day.
2: <laughs> What's your vision for the business? Where do you want to take it?
0: Okay, so when COVID is finally over, and that is really annoying, when COVID is over, I'm putting my little wheels into motion again towards working towards my Miami Swim Week goal. That's where I really <gasps> want to be able to take... Leandra. Yes, oh, my God. I used to live in Miami.
1: Oh. I, I would love to, oh, go, I to go to go Miami. <laughs> One day, you will. That's oh, an awesome. Swim Week oh. is yeah. so much fun. The energy I, is just, like, electric.
0: That so that's where when you when I'm at Miami Swim Week that will be a huge tick off the bucket list so that's definitely what I'm working towards big goal to yeah that's that's absolutely it um, put it out in the universe oh that's ours oh, that is ours I speak there. about it all the time I'm a big believer yeah. in speaking things into existence yeah so um, here for it <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> so Miami Swim Week is one. I um, I just I'm really working towards just growing our brand awareness and um, also tapping into more of you know the international market. I'd love to to show the rest of the world, you know, what what we're doing here in Australia and, and share Leandra Swim with, with the rest of the world. So that's absolutely a goal. Um, you know, just being on the cover of US Vogue now, you know, feature article, tick. Cover next. Hmm? No, <laughs> <Just> oh, <I laughs> cover Yeah, no goal is too big. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, yeah, no, for sure. But um, that's we'll see. Oh yeah. But yeah, Miami Swimming is definitely, definitely the big goal that I'm working towards. <laughs> Give
1: us a shout out to a person, a woman, a man um, that has helped you on your journey.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. So two people probably really that are instrumental. One is my mum she has been an amazing businesswoman and has done a lot we also clash so when she sort of doubts me a little bit it just pushes me on further so some of her doubts and and just fired me along even further so i think i thank you for that mom um and i love you mm-hmm. and the other from a more personal um perspective would be my auntie um ellen she um, yeah, has really always just kept me really grounded um, as, as has my dad with, with who I am um, as a younger woman and as you know with my culture and, and language and that this is my home so yeah it was really my family yeah those key, yeah, family members that have just kept that. me grounded I guess as, as who I am as a person
1: and lastly yeah. what's one thing that you need right now
0: I would love to just have some more education, awareness, you know, bigger network around really what an international market means and looks like. Um, Logistically speaking, what does that look like in terms of shipping a product here from remote Arnhem Land? Um, I'm always looking for for more conversations to build my network around. Um, and, And just even, you know, North America would be my first target, so what, what does the U.S. market look like? And what does wholesale look like in America? I mean, yeah, those are all things that I'm, I'm doing mm. research around that at the moment.
2: So if you're listening and you know a little bit about the American uh, market, please slide into Leandra's DMs. Please you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Help, help me we'll break the along. American market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There will be a lady brain out there that will help you crack into the U.S. market. For sure. <laughs> i was thanking you in advance. <laughs> oh, well, Leandra, thank you so, so much. It's been so lovely to talk to you. I loved it. Thank you so
2: much for having me. Just a quick shout out if you haven't already to subscribe to our Lady Brains email. We share resources and all the behind the scenes action from our latest podcast drops. The link to sign up is in the show notes. You can just scroll down below. That was definitely a thought-provoking conversation for us. A couple of key takeaways, so traditionally stories from Indigenous cultures are passed down verbally and through their art, but we love that Leandra has found a way to share these really important stories and reach a far broader audience than she otherwise would have through fashion. We really love this confusing old and new. How could you do that in your industry or category? How could you adopt a novel approach to storytelling? Secondly, being clear on what your definition of success looks like is so damn important. As you're building your business, you've got to ask yourself the tough questions. What does success look like to you? What type of business are you building? What do you actually want your life to look like? More often than not, unlocking the answer relies on asking the right question. And finally, you've got to be clear on where your skills or knowledge gaps are. Really take a look at yourself and your business. Hold a mirror up to it and assess what you do well and where you could improve. Figure out what you don't know and then practically go out and find someone who can help. Remember, you are not expected to know all the answers. No one knows all the answers. And there are so many people out there who can help. Our Facebook group, The Lady Brains Clubhouse, is a really good place to start. Thanks for listening, Lady Brain. If you loved this episode, please leave us a cheeky little review. We read and cherish every single one. Go on, do it. Ladyland is a Podcast
1: One Australia production. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Matt Nikolic. For more great podcasts, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.